So welcome everybody to episode 51. We broke the 50 barrier. Um, really excitingly, as you know, this is our composer interview episode. And this week we've lovely um, Nathan McCree. So I am the original composer for the music for Tomb Raider, um, Tomb Raider computer games back in 1996, 97 and 98. That was the first three Tomb Raider games. Um, I've been in the industry since 1993, still working in the industry now, 25 years later, 26 years later. Um, done over 60 titles, published titles. Um, about half of those probably I've written music for and the other half uh, done sound design for and other capacities. Um, I ended up mm. as audio there in my field of, of, of work so or expertise so yeah kind of at the top of my career career ladder at the moment and and more recently yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, decided to write the Tomb Raider suite which was an extension yeah, uh, yeah an extension of the original themes from Tomb Raiders 1, 2 and 3 all sort of put together into a nice little package for a live orchestra and that's tour now isn't it well, yeah, you know, we're, we're, I wouldn't say it's touring, um, mm. but we're putting on shows as and where we can get the right interest. Yeah. You know, we started this project with a live show at the Apollo in Hammersmith in London yeah. um, back in 2016, which was the, the final event in the uh, 20th anniversary celebrations for Tomb Raider. And the, the show was clearly a success to us, and so we decided to raise the money to uh, record the album at Abbey Road with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. So we set up a, a Kickstarter campaign to raise that money and uh, achieved 121% of our goal. So, yeah, after Abbey Road, we went and we recorded it in October 2017. Um, it was mixed and mastered at Abbey Road in February uh, of 2018, and we released the album digital download or all the digital platforms uh, in October 26th, 2018. We've just released the, the dual case CD. Yeah, literally yesterday. So, oh, wow. yeah, it's, it's all, all coming together nicely. And do you think that obviously you've done, you've done the, the, the live show, would you like to kind of do that again, or would you like to expand on it, or would you like to tour it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, we did another one at the Royal Festival Hall in mm. uh, the South Bank, London, um, which was also fantastic. Um, yeah, of course, I want to do more. It's a real, it's a real buzz doing those shows. Um, you know, it's, it's, I would say, two days of quite intense work. Um, and it's a real adrenaline ride, you know. So yeah, I do. I enjoy it. Um, so yeah, of course, I want to. I want to take that show as as far around the world as possible. We've got a num number of avenues which we're looking at at the minute. Um, quite a lot of possibilities out in the um, Far East, um, and also some possibilities in Europe. And of course, we're looking to you know get our foot in the door over in America. Um, we've had a couple of spots in America, but not the full suite has been performed yet. So I'm looking forward to that. Out of interest, how did the 
whole thing come about with the Tomb Raider Suite? Well, it was um, an idea which I've had since as early back as 1999. Um, sorry, 1997. It was um, after Tomb Raider 1 and we were working on Tomb Raider 2. Um, I had a phone call from Decca Records who wanted to release the Tomb Raider album at that point. Um, to cut a long story short, it didn't happen, um, but it gave me the idea to release um, or at least write this suite. Um, you see, the, the cues in the games are actually much shorter, some of them 30 seconds or only 20 seconds long. And those pieces that I liked and that, that were quite popular by the fans warranted extending out to at least three minutes in length. So a lot of the work that you hear in the two motor suite is actually new. About 50% of, of the album is new material. Um, and that's been sort of carefully inserted into the existing tunes in the same style as I wrote, you know, 20 odd years ago. Um, so that it sounds like those sections have always been there. Um, and uh, a lot of the feedback I've been having so far is, is just that. People have said, no, oh, this is great. Sounds like these tunes have always been written this length, you know. And how, um, yeah, sort of fitting with the originals they sound. So, yeah, that, 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 was, that was the original idea. And like I say, sort of 20 years on, we managed to, to get it all done. And was it nice kind of dipping your toes back in the old days? Uh, yeah, um, to begin with, it wasn't. To, to begin with, I thought I was going to really struggle from, you know, lack of motivation. Um, because <clears throat> quite often, as a composer, when you revisit music that you've written a long, long time ago, you know, you're always thinking, oh, God, I could have done that better. Or, you know, oh, if only I'd done this, you know. So, you know, your, your best piece is always your last piece. So going back to something that I'd written 20 years ago, I was worried that I was going to find it, you know, just annoying to work on something that could be so much better or something which I've listened to so many times I was bored of. You know, all these sort of things were worrying me. But when I actually started working on it, because I was extending each of the tunes out to at least twice their original length, um, you know, I found that writing the new material actually inspired me a lot and and, and energized me. Um, mm. And so in the end, I had no problem with, with motivation at all. I was writing like crazy, really, really enjoyed it. Three months in the studio and it was, yeah, a really, really good time. I, I thought it was fantastic. And obviously the music for Tomb Raider 1, 2 and 3 is quite literally iconic. Mm -hmm. Did you find that going back to it many years later, how kind of your style had changed and how you wanted it to change or you want to stay the same? Well, you know, my, my writing techniques have changed over 20 years, of course. Um, mm. And so I had to be mindful of that and just make sure that I didn't steer away from, you know, the writing style that I've, that I've done, you know, 20 years ago. So it was a conscious thought of mine and some tunes I did, you know, stray a little bit from the beaten path, as it were, and had to sort of, you know, say to myself, no, that's not right, cut that out, cut that out, let's go back a bit, you know, and keep it, keep it simple. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, but I was, I was also quite, 
you know, quite quite pleased about what I had written 20 years ago, and it was it still sounded okay. I mean, the production was a little bit naive, but um, you know, the writing <laughs> the writing I, I thought was still still really good, and 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 um, yeah, I, I like I say, I enjoyed working on it, enjoyed revisiting it. Cool. And out of interest, with the original Tomb Raider games, I mean, it's a long time ago now for both of us. Um, mm-hmm. How did those actually come about? The original, how did it come about that you did Tomb Raider 1, for example, and then obviously that progressed to 2 and 3? So I I was, I, I started out at Core Design writing uh, chip music on the Sega Mega Drive. And mm. one of one of the games I was working on, um, I think it was either 1994 or 1995, um, it was Asterix and the Power of the Gods. And for this, um, Steph, who was the lead designer and programmer on it, he said, oh, I want a whole album of, or, I want orchestral music. And I was like, well, orchestral music on the, on the, on the Sega Mega Drive? Are you sure? You know, it's on this little chip, you know? And he's like, yeah, 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 go on, it'll be really funny. So he picked a load of classical tunes, well-known classical tunes, all sorts of things on there, Mozart, Beethoven, all sorts. And we, he basically picked music that was out of copyright um, uh, time, so out of, out, out of license, so it's sort of free to use. And so my mm-hmm. job was to basically convert all these orchestral scores to six-note polyphony on this little chip, on this Yamaha chip. <clears throat> so I did all of that, and it, and it came across really well, actually. Um, it, it was really funny, um, and 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 just at that time we switched over from the chip machines onto the CD consoles. So suddenly, you know, we we weren't restricted by this little Yamaha chip. We could actually write, you know, CD quality music, and you know, for singing and guitars and and the live orchestra if you wanted to. So, <clears throat> you know, because I already been doing sort of orchestral music albeit on the chip on the chip machines when the cd stuff came in there was a game we were working on called soul star and they the, the guys that were making that said that they wanted something like john williams star wars music so i was like <laughs> you know, i was doing so, like you know. suddenly you know catapulted into we want john williams star wars music it was like what yeah so oh, a little you know, thing that, you know <laughs> Exactly. So that was a massive sort of leap forward. <clears throat> but, you know, I think I sort of did something that was similar. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was equal to John Williams, but it had that kind of sound, you know, that sort of grand sort of battle sort of music um, that he'd done in Star Wars. Yeah. So um, there was that, and then there was another game Swagman that wanted classical music and then there was another game Heindel that also wanted classical music and then Tomb Raider came along so well by the time Tomb Raider came along I was just kind of automatically labeled as the classical boy you know if there was a project that needed classical music it just automatically came to my studio the other guy Martin Iveson he was doing mostly um rhythm based music um you know, dance beats and break beats and stuff like that. And so he was more sort of electronically focused. Um, and he would get all of those games. He did lots of live guitar work as well. So it kind of just naturally came to my studio and nobody questioned whether anybody else should be doing it or not. It was just automatically mine to do. 
and it didn't seem like anything different to me either. It, again, you know, it was just another game, another game that needed some more custom music. And that was it. So, you know, I chatted to Toby about it, and, and we decided what what direction we were going to take it in and how it was going to sound, and then off I went. And, and, and when you were off. doing Tomb Raider, was there a point where you went, "This is going to be amazing. This is going to be really special." As in, no, not really. Is... <laughs> not not really. No, we we didn't know that while we were making it. We only knew it was going to be. We only knew it was going to be big when you know the magazines and the the, the TV people and all that kind of thing started rolling up. It just started. We just started to get a lot of attention from the press. And, yeah, and then I think we somebody heard about how much money the marketing division at IDOS were going to be spending on it, and then we knew it was going to be huge because once we knew about the, the marketing budget, you know, we knew that IDOS were taking it really seriously and, and, you know, throwing some money at it. And once that happens, yeah. I think usually you're pretty... pretty your chances are pretty think- high for success the kind of effect that it's had ever since. I mean, what was it, 1996? It was 1996, yeah. The first one came out in October. So I was I was just born. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Oh, you're just a whippersnapper. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a few more years on me, unfortunately. I'm hitting one of the big ones this year. Yeah, what is it, your 30th? Oh, I wish. 40th. Okay. <laughs> Five months to go. And yeah, enough, well. I was just talking about it earlier, saying I've not planned anything yet. Well, you don't need to, do you? I mean, it's, it's, it's good enough just making it, <laughs> just getting there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, how did you kind of approach recording the original Tomb Raiders? Obviously, you were known as the guy who did the strings and stuff, but was there any particular way that you did that? or? Um, well, you know, I had uh, a couple of synthesizers, a couple of Rolands. Um, one one actually had the keyboard attached to it, and the other one was just a rack, a rack version of the same thing. Um, and each of those machines I had expanded with... Um, these sound cards, which give you extra extra patches, extra sound. And so I bought the Orchestral 1 and Orchestral 2 expansion packs with both of those machines. So I had lots of orchestral sounds at my fingertips because, you know, we didn't have sample libraries back then. Computers no. weren't fast enough to run, to run real-time samplers. It just, just wasn't possible. No so sample libraries, it, no stems. No, no, nothing like that. Nothing like that. So everything was MIDI. Everything was running live from Cubase. Um, everything was running live through the mixer. Um, you've got uh, three separate stereo outputs on each of those machines. So effectively, I've got you know twelve um, you know audio physical audio channels um, to play with, and then I've got sixty four. Uh, 64 notes polyphony on each machine and 16 MIDI channels on each machine. So it's like, you know, you, you've got sort of 16 instruments, if you like, simultaneously on each machine. So 32 mm. instruments, you know, that kind of makes up an orchestra, particularly when one of those instru- instruments might be, say, strings, you know, a strings pad. So you've got all the string instruments taken care of with one sound, for instance. 
So having 32 sounds playing simultaneously, you've got enough there to sort of build up an orchestra. And so that's what I did, really. I just kind of made an orchestral sound that was fairly minimal. I didn't I didn't fill it too full. It wasn't as busy as Soul Star, for instance. It was much more laid back than that. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I, I wanted there to be room for the player to think. Um, and if you bombard them with busy music, there isn't any time to think. And, you know, Tune Radio was very much about walking around and, and you know, searching search and discovery, yeah. sure that the, the listener you know wasn't annoyed by the game in any way and that they sort yeah. of enjoyed oh, they were listening to out of interest um i've seen um and spoken to jason graves a number of times um okay. how did you kind of take his take on the tomb raider franchise well you know he was he was writing for the reboot um series mm. um and you know Lara Croft is very different. The style of the game is very is very different. Mm-hmm. Some people say it's it's Tomb Raider only by name, you know, but the rest of it is isn't Tomb Raider. So, you know, it's a different thing. So, you know, his take on that, well, you know, it was a fine piece of music. It, it seemed to 
seemed to do its job okay. I can't I can't fault it in terms of you know his <laughs> writing skill and all of that. Um, Was it <clears> unusual <throat> listening to you know, somebody else's kind of take on it? Well, he's not <clears throat> he's not he's not writing the theme tune to Tomb Raider One, nineteen ninety six, is he? No. You see what I mean? He's writing it for somebody completely different, and mm. so you know he, his take on it as far as I'm concerned, is just a personal taste one. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it works fine. I mean, I, I haven't got much time to kind of play those games these days because I've got, a, you know, a number of my own kids to sort of look after. So it's <laughs> yeah. difficult to get to those big console games. But, you know, from what I understand, the, the theme, worked, theme worked okay. Um, I don't and know whether it's... Um, recently, we've seen quite a lot of remakes being done like Spyro and Crash and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and would <clears throat> what how would you feel if somebody turned around and said look we're going to redo 1, 2 and 3 Tomb Raider 1, 2 and 3 would you be interested in being involved? Oh of course I would yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah. Um, do you think you'd approach it slightly differently this time? yeah I'd make it better <clears throat> definitely <laughs> do you sometimes listen back to your old stuff and think oh I wish I could change that yeah all the time Um, every now and again you get one tune which you think no actually that's good I'll leave it as it is but most of them yeah you want you want to you haven't had enough time in the first place to finish it properly this is usually the case you know it's like oh three days got to have it done right finish let's just wrap it up you know bump finish right next one you know so there's always things that you've you've left undone um, but it's not just the writing of the music, it's actually the implementation of it. And I remember for Tomb Raider 1, um, I, I didn't actually implement any of it. I didn't lay any of the triggers as to where these tunes should be played. I had in my mind where I was going to play them, but we were so short on time. <clears throat> Literally, the weekend before the game was released, it was going out on the Monday. Um, and on the Friday, I said to the boss, Jeremy, that, you know, when you're ready for me to start plugging in the tunes, you know, give me a call and I'll come in and I'll lay down the triggers. Well, nobody called me all weekend. And when I went in on Monday, I was like, well, what happened? What happened? And they said, oh, well, we, we just got on and, and did it because we're running out of time. So we did it and, and it's gone. The game's gone already. And I was, <laughs> I was like, what? You know, all my work and someone else had just gone and put it in, you know. And I, I was quite annoyed about that. Um, and then, of course, when... The game came out and I started playing it. I was just, I was horrified <laughs> because <laughs> um, they'd either the tunes had either been triggered in places where I didn't want them to be triggered, or other things were happening that were cutting the tunes off and they weren't being allowed to play for long enough. And oh yeah, it was just, it was a bit of a mess as far as I was concerned. Um, but you know, six and a half million people seem to like it, so. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna undo what was done. But I think, you know, if there was a remake, yeah, I think I could make a million improvements because, you know, in my opinion, there's a million things wrong with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would be good. It'd be good to do it and get it right. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. And give it that full kind of lush orchestral feel. Yeah, well, no, I'd certainly put a live orchestral score in there. You know, I, I you know, <clears throat> that would be the first thing to do because you know, do a bit of John Williams. <laughs> well, it's, you know, having a live orchestra just sounds and feels so much better. You know, yeah, the emotion is is much more there than you can get on your own with a, with a box of tricks. You know, Definitely. having 120 people all put.
putting in their own emotion something that and I mean that really... must have been speaking about that that must have been really special working with the RPO well yeah you know that they're, they're just all brilliant you know it's like having 120 brilliant musicians all all together you know none of them mm. are bad so and especially in such an iconic studio as Abbey Road yeah you know although you know I, I've been to a few big studios in in my time during my career and you know once you've been to one it's pretty much like you've been to all of them they're just it's just a slightly different spaceship you know but basically each <laughs> one is like a spaceship so you know from that perspective it's just like any other studio it's only when you start walking around abbey road through the corridors into the canteen stuff like that that you start to realize that it's a little bit different and and that's just simply because of all the photographs on the walls. You know, you see all sorts of people there. You know, David yeah. Bowie, Mitch, yeah, obviously the Beatles, but you know, obviously. scores and scores of films that you know, like oh my god, that was recorded here. No way, that's my favourite film. You know, there's all of that. So you know, you could spend hours just just walking through the corridors, just looking at everything. The photographs are just fantastic. Yeah, um, I know that. Um... Gareth Coker did the score for Ark there a couple of years ago. Right. And that's a yeah, fantastic you know, score. Yeah, you know, it's a great place. It's a great place to go. Uh, just just to um just from a sort of historical point of view. Um it's just fascinating to, to see it sort of still be there and, and like I say, just just sort of be in a place where so many great names have been and recorded. Um, and it seems yeah, to be um, one of the places that's very much loved by everybody who records there, be they yeah, yeah, video I think that, music that, or recording artist. Yeah, and I think that's credit to the people that work there. You know, that everybody I met there was really, really lovely. Um, you know, from the top engineers all the way down to the people that you know clean and bring you a cup of coffee or a glass of water mm -hmm. or you know, serve at the bar. I mean, they're all just really, really lovely. It's like one big, big family. There's a yeah, bar there? Nice, nice. There is a bar. Yeah, there's a bar and a canteen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, mate, you know, it's the, uh, the Rolls-Royce of recording studios, you know. <laughs> you don't expect them to have a bar, really. You know? I'd love to. I'd, you know, one of my all-time kind of things that I'd love to do is to watch somebody record a score. doesn't matter where it is. I mean, Abbey Road would be amazing, but honestly, it could be a local shed, but I'd be happy. Well, you know, you never know. Next time we get into the studio, I might get you... Get you, get get you across. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, so now with the kind of Tumor is Sweet done and the album, the, the, the vinyl out and everything, and the, you said the CDs went yesterday, or...? The dual case CDs are out. We're still in production on the vinyls, and then we've got a deluxe tin CD, which is coming from China. Um, oh, okay. So there are two. There are two more releases, if you like, on our on our sort of milestone calendar. Yeah. Um, that should happen what, in next? The next. Well, there's a few things. Um, that uh, isn't as, part of, <laughs> as part <laughs> of the uh, Kickstarter stretch goals, I wanted to release the original soundtracks from Two Meta One, Two and Three. That is, you know, unchanged cues as they were in the game, um, including all the cutscene and FMV music, but without the sound effects and voiceovers. So it's literally just the music that existed in the game. And I wanted to release those three soundtracks and possibly um, um, a synth mix version the two mega suite i know a lot of people want to hear that so there's kind of like four albums there that i that i'm going to be starting literally this month um and then after that um we are going to be 
focusing on the proposed uh, buffet reception in San Francisco. Okay. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, yeah, and you know, apart from that, we're pushing out shows all the time. Um, you know, we're in negotiations for several places to do live shows, so all that takes a little bit of work. Um, but and also, we're making a documentary about this whole process, which is about two months away from being finished i think i think it's something like oh, that wow. yeah that will so be really quite, interesting yeah we're quite chuffed about that there's still a bit of work to do on there still a little bit of filming to do but um yeah it's coming together have you seen the documentary called beep i have i was in it oh okay yeah karen uh, she's been on the show previously she's lovely right yeah no i i i met karen good good fun good to talk to yeah definitely um yeah there was a conference in ireland and i went over karen asked me to come over and be a uh, sort of interviewee on stage with her, which I did. So we spent the weekend in, in Ireland drinking oh, right, with all right, that. Oh, right, was this? Was this Dublin? Yeah, yeah, it was at the music conference or something. I can't remember what, it, what it's called now. Okay. Um, That's my stomping ground. Is it? Yeah. I mean, where I'm originally from is probably about half an hour from Dublin. Right, okay. I lived um, basically by the beach in a tiny nice. little village. Oh, it's gorgeous, yeah. I mean, my dad still lives there, so it's nice okay. to go home. And Yeah, of course, I bet it is. Yeah, you really yeah, appreciate my... it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got a good beer as well. <laughs> and yeah, and hopefully you had a good pint of Guinness when you were over there as well. I did, mate. I did. Yeah, I had several. Yeah. It's weird because pe- I mean I'm not a fan of Guinness myself, but people tell me all the time that Guinness in Ireland tastes completely different from Guinness anywhere else in the world. Well, I think I think most beers do, don't they? You know, if you go to where it's being made, then yeah. it usually tastes very different to how it is elsewhere because of, you know beers when they travel, obviously they you know they'll be putting something else and then the temperature changes and all that kind of thing. But yeah, and and well, I've tried it and it tastes tastes good. And of interest, Nathan, do you find, is there anybody that you, that is working at the moment as a composer that you look to and you think, wow, they are doing incredible stuff? Uh, uh, yeah, all sorts of people. Um, mm. Are you talking specifically games, games guys? Kind of, yeah, VGM kind of guys? Well, um, I guess one of my favourites would be Michael Giacchino. I'm not sure whether that's how you pronounce his name, Giacchino. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, I, th- I think his stuff is brilliant. Um, one of my favourite games that he's worked on was uh, Medal of Honor, and I thought the score to that was just absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, loved it so much that I just played the game again and again and again. Um, and of course, you know, he's gone on to do great things in Hollywood now. Um, so I buy his movies as well. The Incredibles, hasn't he? Which my kids watch. Yeah, and, it seems and, to and be a bit of a springboard. Well, I think you know, for him, it kind of made sense because I think he's really, really good. But I, I don't think it, you know, that happens very often. I think he was quite fortunate because you know, Medal of Honor was Steven Spielberg pet project, wasn't it? Yeah. So you know, you when did... you've got something like that you know, heading up the company and then you write a couple of tunes. Well, if they're good and he hears you, I mean, you're in, aren't you? Yeah. You know, I I think really you need to be working on something pretty big, pretty, um, you know, famous for you to get noticed like Hollywood. Um, You're more likely to get noticed the other way, I think. You know, if you've done a Hollywood movie, you're more likely that someone in the games industry will say, hey, let's go and get so-and-so, you know, that movie. Let's see if we can afford him. And then usually you can't and you have to get somebody else. (laughs) <laughs> but you know I think it happens that way around a bit more because you know movies are more in, in the public eye than, than games well I read something recently that the games industry is taking more money than the music industry and the film industry combined in the well UK. yeah that may, be, that, that may be the case movies still get they get bigger. more airtime well they, they just get more uh, they, they, they the more of the public sees a movie than, than a game you know I mean I was just reading today that Kingdom Hearts is uh, 
um, sold six million copies already. Yeah, Crazy. well, that's good. That's big. I mean, I think certainly from when I started doing podcasting and around VGM, mm-hmm. I've seen it grown exponentially. You know, seen people winning BAFTAs for games. Fifteen years ago, you'd never would have. No, um, absolutely, and and that's something which you know I've been shouting about for twenty years. You know, games composers should be given greater recognition than certainly they were oh, yeah, twenty totally. years ago. And um, it's nice and, to see that VGM is kind yeah. of riding alongside the popularity of vinyl as well. Yeah, you know, it's certainly moving in the right direction now. Like you say, you know, we've got the um, award ceremonies for games now. Yeah, you know, there's more live concerts going on, and yeah, Not enough. You know, the, the vinyl that <laughs> seems to have kind of you know kept things alive a little bit like that. Um, it means yeah, that definitely. we can kind of you know re- remaster old game soundtracks and get them out on vinyl, which is brilliant. The vinyl um, VGM community is so hungry, you know, um, yeah. and it's cr- crazy to see the kind of stuff that gets released and a couple of weeks later it's selling for five six times what it was sold originally for yeah yeah and it stays that it's a bit like lego it stays like that mm. so. yeah there's a lot of nostalgia there for people and and there's a there's a kind of period of computer games a, a sort of era if you like where um we we weren't recording any of it you know mm. nowadays great you know you've got screen captures all sorts of things you know ways of taking photographs of your games and streaming it and all sorts of things so there's, there's it's easy to record a game these days but you know 20 25 years ago it wasn't really possible to record a game no um, and i mean what i've yeah, seen now video. Is, yeah i mean what i've seen now as well is something within the vgm vinyl community is there's a lot of um bootlegging right. so games that were released 20 30 years ago that nobody had the soundtracks for they, they were never really released people are doing them themselves yeah yeah and how do you kind of feel about that well for example somebody um, brought out tomb raider one two and three on vinyl well, first of all, I mean, legally, they'd struggle to do that if they wanted to yeah. make money yeah. from it. You, you know, you need a license to do that. Um, well, look. I mean, I have it, to admit, I'm it, not massively a fan of bootlegged vinyl. As good as it can be, well, I'm if, not a fan. If I, if, I, if I was a fan of a particular game with a particular soundtrack that somebody had written, I wouldn't mm. buy a bootleg of that because it's not done by the guy that wrote it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would want the recording of the guy that wrote it, the, the original recordings. Or, or remastered by the guy that originally wrote them. You know, that's what I would be looking to buy. Um, you know, if you buy somebody else's version, it, 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 you know, it's effectively a cover. Well, I'm, personally, I wouldn't want that, but that's that's me. Yeah, um, that's I'm not, exactly the same. I think for nostalgic reasons, you want the original material, don't you? Totally. You don't want, yeah. some, you don't want some, some changed version. I mean, I this mean, is one thing which I was quite... Sorry, what I've also no, seen is um, people who are getting things printed for themselves. So there's no, there's right. only the one copy. They're not selling it. It's going nowhere except their own home. I've seen that oh. a couple of times. Well, that's okay. You know, yeah, if they want to do that. from it or right. anything like that. And it's yeah. Really yeah, sure. You can't, you can't stop anybody doing that. It's, it's only when you start, you know, distributing it that you have to start crossing legal barriers. So... In the last 10 so years, is there a game, apart from the one that you've just mentioned, that you think the soundtrack is just completely stellar? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I can think of a couple. So one of them going quite, back quite a bit was a game called Homeworld by, mm-hmm. I think it was Sierra that made it. I really liked that. I thought, this, I thought this, the soundscape for that was really good. It was really, really ambient music, and it was a, a real-time space strategy. So you sort of, you know, suspended yeah. in space. 
So that, that kind of worked really well for me. But more recently, I would say excellent sound design and music would be Monument Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think there's not much sound design in this, but certainly the music for me works really well, and that's in Smash Hit. Really like that. I'm just trying to think. These are all, these are the only games I play these days because they're on my mobile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am. I am. You know, I haven't played any of the big console games for ages because I just. Uh, I, yeah, I just haven't got the, the time. It sounds like you're really, really busy as it is. So. Yeah, I am. Crazily busy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so fitting in console gaming with with your kind of schedule can be obviously very difficult. Yeah, you know, look, I'm up at five o'clock in the morning, right? Because I've got small kids, right? So I'm up at five. By the time they're all off to school, you know, half the state, and I start work through till mm-hmm. half past five, six o'clock. It's like bath and bedtime. So I do all that. Half, about half past eight, nine o'clock, they're asleep. Well, at that point, mate, so am I. I'm just like, that's it. My <laughs> dad is I'm into bed and then I'm up again at five o'clock. Yeah, there's no, there's no time. There, there's not a minute in that day when there's a time to, you know, sit down and get, get, get for an hour. Off. Absolutely no way. I'm lucky if I get <laughs> 30 seconds on Real Racing Three or something like that.
think for me, it, it, I find it because I mean I don't have any kids. I've got a dog. That's that's enough. I come home from yeah, work right. and I probably maybe like grab having, half an hour an hour. Like having, yeah, that's like having a kid anyway. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. Saying that earlier on, I just wanted to say thank you very much for appearing on the show. Good You're luck welcome. With absolutely everything that you've got coming. Thank you. It sounds brilliant, and we can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we'll we'll keep <clears throat> everyone uh, informed as to you know the shows that are coming up when. When they do, you know, we stick them up mm-hmm. on the website so you can find information Absolutely. there about yeah, that. Let us know and we'll, we'll let people know as well. Um, I yeah. do have one final short question for you. Okay. Out of the music for, that you've written for Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3, is there any particular piece that you're really, really proud of individually? Well, yeah, probably. Hang on. I'm just looking at my contents page now to remind myself. <laughs> <laughs> well... From from the games or from the Tomb Raider suite difference? Give me one of both. Okay, from the games, I would probably say I'll probably say Venice, just because it was a exercise in stylizing, I suppose. And, Tomb Raider and Two. Said, yeah, Tomb Raider Two, Venice. Love, love that that episode. episode um, level, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's good fun. It's good fun. It's my favourite level. Mm. And then from the suite, from the Tomb Raider suite, I would probably say, I'll say in the blood, because it was it was okay. it's a new piece, and I, I I just thought the way the arrangement worked with the melody was really good, and yeah, starts really lovely and ends quite dramatically. So yeah, I'd say I'm quite I'm most proud of that one. Awesome. Well, again, thank you very much for taking time out of your very busy schedule. No problem. Thanks for, thanks for, for chatting. It's been really good. No thank worries. You. And we'll speak to you soon. <laughs>